0: everybody welcome back to the chasing sunday podcast my name is brian davis and i'm a worship leader worship coach uh, creative consultant with torn curtain arts and um Yeah, this is uh, is a podcast where we talk to worship leaders and and church creatives and and other leaders um, who work in that sphere of religion and the church and all that kind of stuff. And we talk about the, the struggles and the joy and the frustration and the elation that comes along with leading worship and being a creative in the church environment. And, uh, we just want to say, um, so grateful for those of you who have been listening so faithfully, uh, getting a lot of good feedback, a lot of really good, uh, messages and, and encouraging kind notes, um, from, uh, from so many of you and just really appreciate that. It, it makes, uh, makes us feel like we've, we've tapped into something that, um, that actually matters to people. And, um, and that's uh, that's real nice. So uh, thank you. Please keep listening. If you uh, if you feel so inclined, please subscribe. Uh, to the podcast. Maybe leave us a a nice comment um, on Apple Podcasts. That would be great as well. Just helps us get more traction uh, so we can get a a broader listening audience to uh, hopefully experience the same kind of encouragement uh, that you've been experiencing. So uh, thanks again for listening. Um, My guest this week is uh, Danny Ortley. He's a good friend of mine. Um, We led worship together and, and worked together at Mission Hills Church down in Littleton, Colorado, um, and uh, Danny's a, a killer songwriter. Uh, he's written a book. Um, he's uh, a dynamite worship leader as well, and he's got a really cool perspective on ministry and and kind of going from, coming from the outside in, uh, as it were. We've talked to a lot of people who have been on the inside and gotten out, um, but he uh, he kind of took the the opposite path, um, where he sort of danced around the periphery of church ministry for a while and then decided to take the plunge and, uh, and join a church staff. Um, and uh, he's, uh, he's just a natural-born encourager and um, really wise, really um, experienced, and, and also a, a pretty funny dude as well. We have some good laughs in this episode, so I hope that you're able to laugh along with us as you listen to Danny Ortley. Um, I'll be back at the end of the episode to uh, just kind of wrap up um, and maybe put a bow on some of the things that we talk about. Um, but yeah, enjoy this episode of Chasing Sunday with my friend Danny Ortley. Well, hey, Danny Ortley, how you doing? Hey,
1: Brian Davis, I am great.
0: Good, thank you so much for being on Chasing Sunday. Um, you are, you're a good friend and uh, I'm so glad that we've had the opportunity uh, over the years to, to work together. And so glad our paths crossed. Um, uh, I, I usually like to start these by talking about me and, uh, as
1: I was hoping so. Yeah. I was yeah, hoping
0: so. yeah. So you don't have to do as much <laughs> of the talking. No, I first, I first heard your name. I think I was a freshman, oh, no. yeah, freshman in college and, uh, my brother's roommate who was from Colorado Springs. Mm. um, he, you were doing something at CCU. Um, You were doing a, a concert or something like that yeah. in the field house. And he was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Danny Orley is playing at CCU. Like we have to go. We've got to go. You should come. You you would love it. And I was like, I was a freshman in college and I like, I spent almost my entire freshman year in my dorm room. Like I didn't go anywhere. <laughs>
1: I want to uh, listen to the Counting Crows. I yeah, don't want I'm, to go see Dan That's right. I'm just going <laughs> to sit in
0: my room and be sad and listen to Counting Crows. Um, so that was the first time I heard your name. He was he was very impressed with you and 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 loved you. And uh, so that was the first time I had heard your name. Um, and then, uh, yeah, once Paul got involved with Dare to Share, obviously, yeah. like, our paths came close to crossing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it wasn't until, what, 2011 that we actually got to, like, work together.
1: Ten years uh, ago. Yeah. Oh, geez. Crazy. Yeah.
0: So... Um. So yeah, I would love. I you've got a you've got a great story. You've done some amazing things uh, in ministry and with music. Um. And so I would just love to hear. Uh. Hear about your journey through. Uh. Through your life in music and ministry. So. Fire away. Wow,
1: that's open ended. Where should <laughs> yeah. I start? Yeah. Uh. I. I am one of those. Uh. Pastors' kids.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: my my earliest memories are, setting up chairs and taking them down in a little gym. We had a little, you know, church startup pretty much out east of Aurora when I was a little kid. So it was me and my sister setting it up, tearing down, um, carrying the projector for my dad. You know, that's kind of the the humble beginnings. And I didn't have any aspirations to get into music or play guitar or anything. And my family moved to Colorado Springs in junior high and sports was my whole life. I love music. I love Van Halen and U2 and that was kind of my jam because I'm young and hip and not almost 50.
0: Right. No, not yeah. at all. <laughs> not at all. Those, those bands are
1: all still very relevant. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, <laughs> But then it was uh, somewhere around between eighth and ninth grade that I was at a flea market with my dad because we shopped at really fancy stores. Yeah. And there was a, uh, a guitar and an amp for 12 bucks. And uh, my dad, he, he bought it for me. It, I remember it had two strings. It was a sunburst, cheap Sears guitar. Okay, and uh, I just took it home. Took it. I took it home. I took it home. (laughs) We went to the flea market, and I took it home. (laughs) This is gold.
0: You you English good. That is (laughs) great.
1: (laughs) So, but I, you know, music is just one of those things that I. It just kind of came easy to me. I'd I'd hear it, and I could kind of play it—not well, but enough that people thought it was cool, and that kind of fueled that fire. So, I just started playing in high school, and then I had a, a youth pastor who was a phenomenal musician. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just kind of came alongside me, and, and I wasn't nothing. Um, but he'd, he'd bring me to gigs, and I'd play at youth group with him. And he was, I think he could tell I wasn't a structured guy. Like, I didn't, I didn't know any theory. I didn't know anything. <laughs> right. And so, he, he knew that I would play by feel. And he would always turn his back to me, like when he was leading the songs, and so I couldn't see his fingers when he was playing guitar. And so I kind of oh. learned to develop my ear, like, "Oh, here's okay. where chords go." Yeah. And it was probably horrific. All the kids are like, "What is that guy playing?" <laughs> uh, oh,
0: oh, so bless his heart, he gave he gave that kid an opportunity. Isn't yes. that nice?
1: <laughs> Can you sit down now and let the guy really play? Uh, so so yeah, so I get a guitar, my, my youth pastor starts teaching me stuff. I, I like it, it's fun. I never thought I'd be a worship leader, concert guy, anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, got into college, and I was leading a Campus Crusade for Christ. And a uh, concert promoter came through one night and he said, hey, you want to be an opening act? And I'm like... Sure, why not? How hard can it be? You know, I didn't know anything. I was naive and arrogant at the same time.
0: <laughs> um, Those actually go hand in hand more often than than you than you think. Yeah. I mean, you know this.
1: <laughs> yes. So absolutely. So, so yeah, I, I'd never been an opening act for anybody. I didn't know anything, and um, <laughs> again, arrogance and being naive. I. I wrote like three or four or five songs. They were ridiculous. <laughs> and, um, and I just, back then it was all about guitar. Like, oh, here's a guitar. To... I'll throw a lyric on top. <laughs> you know, there was no marrying of the two whatsoever. Um, it was all about this, you know, five second guitar lick. Uh, so I did that and doors started to open. And when I say doors, they were not big doors to kingdoms. They were <laughs> small <laughs> doors to youth groups and right. the, their traits. And it just kind of started opening up in college, and people said, hey, come play at my church two songs. Hey, come lead this youth group retreat. Hey, do this thing. And even then, even after a year or two of doing it and making little demo tapes, I didn't have any aspirations to be a full-time musician, Um, a worship leader, concert guy, nothing. Um, I just thought it was a fun little side note. I thought it was going to be a youth pastor.
0: Right.
1: Uh, Right. So,
0: and this was long enough ago that tapes were still a thing. I just want to write that down, make sure that we, <laughs> that we come back to explaining to people what tapes are. Um, yeah.
1: So. <laughs> and I remember when I had my first tape, you know, it's me in jeans and a white t-shirt leaning against a fence. Cause no one's ever done that in the right. independent world with their acoustic guitar.
0: Nope. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh my goodness yeah i remember selling tapes out of the back of my trunk, and then i moved oh. up to cds and it was like oh, the whole man. world was on fire
0: oh yeah yeah did you so I, this is so off topic but um i remember when uh when justin and i made our first album we we released that on tape and we didn't go through like a duplication house or anything like that i literally yeah ordered like i ordered tapes in like blank tapes in bulk right we printed out like i think i printed out all of the like all of the sleeves like all the inserts and stuff i printed all those out like on a printer at school um which was probably way against the rules uh had to cut them all out by hand and fold them ourselves and all that kind of stuff and then we used my church's like like six or eight cassette duplicator And just like, and just copied them off, just eight, eight copies at a time. How did, how did you do yours? Did you actually go through? Uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, I had a little demo that I I made like, you know, my little dual cassette deck where I did one and then the other and the other. And I gave that those up for like a year. And then I moved up to, I think it was Disc Makers in the early years or whatever it was. And because they were shrink wrapped and that made me Ah. just untouchable. When they're shrink wrapped, you know, you're legit.
0: That's right. That's right. That's right. The, kid, oh. kids, the kids these days don't know. <laughs> They're just
1: oh my goodness.
0: Releasing their stuff on SoundCloud and Spotify. <laughs> they don't I, know when it's yeah. like to duplicate your own tapes.
1: <laughs> I was laughing at the, how old I'm getting and how the technology has changed. I vividly remember doing a gig at a camp where there was an overhead yep. projector and I had colored slides of like Blind Man and Pharaoh, Pharaoh. And I was literally standing <laughs> next to the projector, putting a slide on, and then changing it out, put another one on. Uh, wow. These transparencies, and they were different colors, like red, yep. and green, and it was just ridiculous. Nice,
0: nice. <laughs> so, so, so you have this tape, and yeah, you're, let's move along. you're yeah, you're playing with youth groups. That's my bad. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs>
1: So oh, yeah. Yes. Anyway, so yes. that was the cue. So, Sorry. Yeah. I'm no, sloppy. that's all
0: right. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> uh,
1: so so yeah, and then and then it really, honestly, here's here's where God kind of came in and just kind of opened my eyes because I just wasn't that smart, and I and I started to think, oh my goodness, I maybe I could be, I could go to Nashville and I could be one of those guys and be mm-hmm. a, an artist out there, and so my dad had an old college friend and I went and stayed there for a week and I met with labels and. It went okay. I don't think they're really interested in me. I didn't know how to write songs. And it's all about songs. It's not about your little guitar lick or this or that. It's about songs that move people. Um, But on that trip, there was just a moment. I didn't hear God's voice audibly. The room wasn't spinning. I just had that still small voice when I I really felt God was saying, I I want you to do music, but this is not the avenue, the road that I want you to do it. Hmm. And I didn't know what that meant. And so I came back to Colorado. I was a couple months from getting married. And I told Cindy, my soon-to-be wife back then, I said, I, I don't know what this means, but I think I'm just going to keep playing at churches and wherever God opens doors. She's like, let's do it. Okay. So uh, we got married, and, and that year, more things turned upside down. And, and I know you, you've heard this story a lot, but a lot of your listeners probably haven't. Mm-hmm. We'd only been married for six months when we found out that Cindy had cancer. Mm. and we were young and broke and just starting on in this music thing she was getting ready to go to medical school I was just playing music right and um, we moved to Philadelphia and she started treatment for Hodgkin's disease Ugh. and we, we I had no idea what was going to happen I just this fledgling little music thing and she went through a lot of treatment and to fast forward um, looked like all the treatment was done and they said uh, not likely that she will ever be able to have biological kids, but you can move back to Colorado and her body had sustained a lot of treatment. I'm going really fast here. No, oh, you're good. Um, so moved back to Colorado, started getting into music and got started opening some more doors. And I, and I started to find my feet enjoying it. Um, Cindy gave birth to a little girl, which was uh, her name is Gracie. She's 22 now. And it was this wow. big shock miracle.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the crazy thing and her health was doing Okay. And then we adopted a little boy, and um, now Jack is twenty. So, I know, isn't that nuts? He's 20.
0: twenty. Oh my
1: goodness, twenty years old. But during that time, I was still doing music, and and the platforms were getting a little bigger, and I was kind of refining my voice. And okay, this, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to use whatever abilities you've given me? And I started traveling with Dare to Share. Mm. Um, the, the president, Greg Stair was an old friend, and. That started from 11 people at the first conference to after 10 years of playing with Dare to Share, they were 10,000 ar- yeah. people arenas, which was yeah. crazy um, yeah. and a lot of fun. But um, after all that had happened with the kids and uh, and with Rain and her being sick, and she was healthy for a while so in indeed. February. Oh, so, yeah, I've had two wives, so this kid's complicated. <laughs> 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 you can edit that part out. <laughs> Um, so yeah. So after, you know, Cindy and I, we had these two little kids and her cancer was years in the past, but every now and then things would come up and she wasn't feeling good. It was February 4th, 2002. And she went to the doctor and to sign in and she collapsed okay. and had uh, a massive heart attack. Ugh. And so at the age of 30, uh, I found myself single dad with with two kids. Um, Grace was four and Jack was one. Jeez, So, Ugh. so here I am 30 year old guy, self-employed musician, um, different church every weekend, carrying a box, my CDs and the kids in the other hand. Right. And everything had turned upside down. Jeez. And um, it was, it really, for me, it's, I wouldn't use the word crisis of faith, because I, I never really God are you there? I don't I don't hear you know it was more of God, I don't understand anything happening in my life. I don't know how to process this. I don't know where I'm going. I'm incapable. How am I supposed to do music and take care of these kids? Do you want me to travel? do you not do you not want me to travel? So I, during those times it was just it was dark and yeah. it was difficult. And there was a lot of questions in my head about where my life was going, and I, I had some some good friends reach out, um, people I hadn't talked to in years, and uh, one was my old high school Bible teacher, <laughs> and he said, huh. "Hey, hey, uh, I know you're a Christian kid that's been in ministry forever, and your dad was a pastor, but and everybody's sending these little cards with all their verses, but why don't you open up the Word of God and see what God has to say about healing?" Hmm. And uh, he pointed me to Isaiah 58, and it basically talks about if you want to heal, look to uh, helping other people, and mm. God will bring your healing when you look to to blessing and helping other people. Wow! So that that began a journey of healing. Yeah. And uh, and I'll kind of land the plane on the family story, and we can talk more about uh, music and worship leading and all that. <laughs> but um, so for two years I, I struggled through. Um, doing gigs here and there. My parents helping a ton. My aunt Ruth moved into our house, helped me take care of the kids. But it was a struggle. Yeah, and I was out in Washington D.C. doing a gig, and I was backstage, and um, I do a lot with Compassion International, fantastic ministry. Somebody mm-hmm. came up and somebody I've known for a long time. They said, "Hey, this is our new employee. This is Reina," and. I remember thinking, "Wow, she's she's pretty girl." But I got to go play. <laughs> I got to go do this gig <laughs> in thirty seconds. Uh, but the next day, you know, I I found her and and we hit it off and started dating. And she was like spring after winter. And we got married, and we've now been married for um, almost seventeen years. Wow! So we're coming up on on seventeen, that's and awesome. um, we got married and had a little girl, and that's Maggie. So. Yeah that's a very fast version of, of, uh, 20 years of life. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah. Yeah. That's man. Um, gosh, that, yeah, there were some things in there that I hadn't, uh, that I hadn't heard before. Um, and, uh, if, if people want to dive into your story a little bit more, um, I'm yep. just going to go ahead and drop your book here. Ooh. Uh, you Ooh. wrote a book, right? Um, I did. yeah. Um, mommy paints the sky. Is that's it. it. Hey, yeah. I know that, and it's been tra- translated into how many languages now?
1: <laughs> um, uh, that's a good question. I, I, Oh, I think it's like four or five, but I have a German copy at home. Oh wow! It's, yeah, it's like it's hilarious. I don't know how to say it, but I'm not even going to try because that would make me look ridiculous. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Sky. <laughs> um, just just say it angrier and it'll sound Mommy
1: <laughs> I, I got a I got a letter once from a girl that couldn't spell very well she was writing this nice thing about a song that I had called Mommy Paints the Sky. And she goes, I just loved your song, Mommy Paints the Ski. <laughs> so there is almost no time in my life when I look at that book or that song, and I don't think "Mommy Pants" the story. Yeah.
0: That's so good, but they can, uh, yeah, read read that book and and get a little bit more insight into into some of the things you're talking about. Um, I a couple of things that that stuck out to me. Um, one is is that the verse that you pointed out in, in Isaiah yeah. 58. Um, this idea of. Uh, you know, hurting people and, and people who are deeply broken. Um, one of the best ways to heal is to actually go out and help people. Can you uh, unpack that for me a little bit? Cause I've, yeah. I've seen that, you know, I've seen how that works in, in my own life on, on both sides of it. Um, but, but how have you seen that Like you bringing your own brokenness to the stage? How have you seen that you know, that healing then take place, not only in your own heart, but also in the hearts of the people that you've been, um, that you've been ministering to.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a great question. It, the imagery and I would encourage all your, your listeners to go to Isaiah 58 and just pour over it. Cause it, the whole chapter is just, just filled with mm-hmm. beautiful images of, of what healing is like. And it, it's a, if then, if then throughout the whole passage, and it talks about if you spend yourself on behalf of the poor, then your healing will come like the dawn, then you'll be like a well watered garden be, behind a, a, a fortress wall, and it has all these beautiful images of if you do this, then this. if you do this, then healing comes. Right. So when I read that, I, again I was I was confused, I'm like, Lord, how do I make how do I do this? I don't know how to do this and it, <laughs> I haven't thought of this in years, um, but I had this this lady. That was our mail lady. She'd deliver the mail every day. And I tried to go meet her and I talked to her and we invited her for dinner and actually, you know, told her about Jesus and, and the kids wrote her little letters. And it was this silly first step, but it was almost the physical barrier of getting out of my house. It was the first step I could take like, wow. okay, I'm going to try to encourage the mail lady. <laughs> and, uh, it sounds ridiculous and I haven't even thought of it in years, wow. um, but it, that was my first step. And then as, as healing began to come, I, okay, who's God put in my path today? What, can I, what one word of encouragement can I give them? Yeah. And when I started taking the focus off myself a little bit, I think I did start to see that healing. And C.S. Lewis um, in Grief Observed, which I think is the best book on grief ever written. It's very short, but it's deep. Mm. Um, he writes that the, the grief is like a whirlpool. And if you allow yourself, you'll just keep going down that black black whirlpool, and it's hard to get out. Yeah. So you have to start swimming against a stream and get out of it. And I think that's what God's talking about in Isaiah 58. Yeah. So as that relates to your listeners and, you know, worship leaders in particular, uh, share your story. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you have a minute or three minutes, share your story before a song and say, I'm struggling this week, uh, but this is what God has taught me. Or, or not even share what God has taught you. Just say, I'm struggling. I'm holding on to this song. Right there's so many people that are going to relate to what you're saying and be able to engage in that song. God can use that. Yeah. Um, just, just to be honest and share. Yeah. They're, well, they're,
0: yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that that's, uh, you know, it, it's easier said than done. First of all, <laughs>
1: yes, yes, it is.
0: It, it takes a, you know, it takes a certain amount of vulnerability, um, to be able to do that. But I, I, Yeah. And I just completely lost my train of thought. But it is something that that is that is learned. Like it's not something that you can just, you know, just walk out on stage and be like, hey, here's a magical storyteller. Here's all my stuff. Like it it does take some time behind the scenes to, you know, kind of unpack those things. Like this didn't just happen overnight. You know, the first gig that you went to after Cindy died, you know. You probably didn't just stand up on stage and be like yeah, so this is where I'm at. Yeah.
1: Do, you, do you know what it was? What it was a Valentine's Day dinner. Oh no! And yeah, because I'm cancel? smart. Oh <laughs> I'm my
0: smart. gosh! Oh, I'm I'm having pictures in my head of like the, uh, the scene in uh the scene in Wedding Singer when he does his totally. first, his first wedding after yeah, you know like, uh, after his fiance leaves him at the altar he <laughs> starts singing Love Stinks. The,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep, it was ridiculous. Uh, I, I have I should write a book on all the dumb things I've done over the last thirty years.
0: <laughs> Chapter uh, one, yeah. But I, you know, like you said, it 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 doesn't always start with you know standing on stage. It starts with those little things, like yeah. like the male lady, you know, yeah. and 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 finding just these little ways to start to break out of that of that shell, um, and and start to process you know, you, you do need to spend some time processing your pain and your grief personally. Um, but yeah, I think one of the best things that you can do is, is start, you know, start helping other people and, and get out of that, you know, get out of that fog, get out of that whirlpool, like like Lewis says, and, and start to, you know, start to interact in small ways. Um, and, and that's good. How, how much of this, um, Impacted your your songwriting. You're an extremely gifted songwriter um, as you. well as worship leader. Um, but, you know, how, you know, for those who maybe don't have, you know, one to three minutes during a service to share a little bit yeah. of their own brokenness, um, yeah. you know, I think you've found a masterful way of being able to share that through you know, through your music and through your leading. So what are, how, how did this impact your songwriting? How much of, you know, how much of it still does impact your songwriting and, and, and the the songs that you sing
1: in front of people? Man. Whoa. We could talk for another two hours on the subject because this is my passion. This is, I love this. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something you said to me years ago, Brian, you said, and I don't know where you got it, but um, songwriting is like opening up a vein and just bleeding. Oh, and uh, I don't know if you made that up or if you stole it from John Lennon, but it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but it was probably if, if it was if it yeah. was smart and impactful, it was probably stolen. So okay. uh, <laughs> there's nothing new <laughs> under the sun. That's, right. That's um,
1: But it's 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 interesting. I was talking to my daughter Maggie yesterday. We were driving, and um, a song came on, and we were talking about how impactful it was. And she goes, dad, you, you like to listen to the lyrics. I, you know, I just like the music. And, and so as a father, I thought, Oh, this is my moment to change. And, um, but I think, I think music, I I don't know that there's a better, that you can point to anything that is more magic in the world than a song at the right time. Hmm. And I, I think the way God has made us for story and he's made us for music. Uh, You look throughout the Bible, and there was the angels were singing before the creation of the world. In Revelation 5, they're at the throne, and they're all praising Jesus. There's music throughout, throughout the beginning of time, all throughout eternity. So God places a high importance on it. And I think when you can marry music that is good, that is moving, with a lyric that is married to that good music at the right time, I think God can use that. In in ways that we can't even fathom, I I found that in my life, and I I know you found Mm -hmm. that in your life too. Yeah. So you asked how this impacted my writing. Music was what brought a lot of healing to me, and voices like songs like from Rich Mullins that talked about struggle and hold me, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, um, jeez. You know, stuff like that. It hit me at the right time, and so I kind of thought, if I can even remotely try to climb some of the steps. Of what they're doing that's what I want to do right um, so I, I studied I studied guys like Andrew Peterson and mm-hmm. um, Rich Mullins and just anybody secular Christian that is a great great songwriter right. and, and how do they how do they craft this thing to make it meaningful and to impact people and it's a lifelong process sure uh, but yeah I, I still to this day I, I love great songwriters and as far as, as sharing, and, and how you develop that skill, yeah um I, often, and you've known me well enough, we've done enough together i i I enjoy sharing the story as much as doing the song mm-hmm. for me, it's kind of like the the song yeah. is the exclamation point to the story right <laughs> <laughs> it's just how yeah. God wired me, yeah, yeah, and um yeah, I think people their their brains are are fired up when they hear stories, they just they relate to it, so sure. um. Uh, if I was um, if I was out there telling people how to improve their storytelling, I would say find the emotion you're trying to communicate, mm. um, whether it be elation or sadness, find that emotion that you're trying right. to communicate and then chop off all the fat and make it a muscular story and make it um, <laughs> as succinct as it can be yeah. and convey that emotion. And lastly, point people to Jesus. Right. So that's what I would say.
0: Yeah, I think it, it, it's it's got to. There's got to be at least a modicum of of hope, you know, in in everything yes. that we write. I mean, I, I just recorded a podcast with with Justin Adams, who you now work with at, yeah. at Mission Hills, and and who I've been a, a longtime friend of, and and we kind of joked, you know, the 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 first like legit album that we made, um, not the not the little tape that we that we passed around um which i've heard but oh yes i <laughs> so glad to hear that he floated yes. the he floated the idea of actually getting it up on spotify um oh, and, wow. and i was like oh man i don't i think all of my copies just burned up um <laughs> the, just all of a sudden uh no it's uh, we'll probably end up doing it um And what that'll be the thing that like you know just makes both of our careers explode.
1: Um, You watch; it's always (laughs) stuff like that, isn't it? You work for weeks on a beautiful song, and they remember some parody or some silly thing you do, right?
0: But you know, one of the things, one of the the comments that we got so much in our in our early writing, especially my early songwriting, was like. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good, but it's, it's morose. Like it's just so like, (laughs) it's so dark. And so like, and, and, you know, going back and looking at it now, it's like, Oh yeah, there, I I missed, I missed the opportunity to turn the corner toward hope in a lot of those early songs. And, and not to say that I'm, you know, any better about it now because I still write, you know, some pretty sad songs, but I at least try to make sure that you can at least see, you know, a little bit of light poking through around the edges, you know, yep. and just make sure that, um, that we're, you know, that we're giving something, you know, for people to hold on to, as opposed to just like, yeah, no, life sucks. What are you going to do?
1: <laughs> and that, and that, and you just hit on it, the the art where, where the light pokes through, that's where art comes in. Right. And, and I, I. There are times there are some great songs on Christian radio, and there are times when it frustrates me because it's easy, happy Jesus, right? And they have they have a magic bridge in the song where they in four lines solve all the world's problems, right? I think where where music is beautiful and impactful and stands the test of decades yeah. is when there's those like you just said, there's the light is poking through, but it's not beating you over the head. Yeah, it's allowing yeah. you to experience it. And, and process your own feelings and not telling you exactly what you need.
0: Right. Yeah, it's not it's not just this, you know, somebody just walking up to you and shining a, you know, a flashlight in your eyes constantly, you know. That's yes. what I feel like when I listen to some of those, you know, Christian radio stations is it's just like isn't everything great? And yeah. and I'm like no. It's <laughs> not. <laughs> it's uh, like, it, it is, we have hope, but like where do you get this this attitude of everything being wonderful all the time. Um, oh my goodness. You know, so I, yeah. So, so you, you know, you did a lot of this traveling and touring and, and, yes. um, and, and telling your story, I mean, really all over the world um, yes. and, and, and the work that you've done with compassion and still do with compassion. It has been great. Um, so in, in, in 2011, um, you kind of made the, made a transition into full-time ministry. Um, That's where, that's where our paths crossed uh, at at Mission Hills. And so how, you know, and and obviously, you know, part of, part of a lot of, you know, the stuff that you were doing included leading worship, you know, like with David share and things like that. But how, how do you take some of those lessons that you learned as far as, you know, going to places and playing, you know, playing for big audiences and and telling your story and, and and sharing the songs that you've written, what kinds of things, like the lessons that you learned there, how have those helped you as you've, have you, you, as you've led worship in a more kind of institutionalized setting, you know, being at at one place, you know, being at one place now, because that's the other thing about traveling is like, yeah, I can go lead worship somewhere for, you know, you know, twice every you know every three years and you know my yep. story is still gonna be fresh and I can still you right. know I can still play the hits you know and now totally. you know now you're at uh, what is it Andrew Peterson that has the shut up and play the hits
1: oh yeah right, right. or something like that
0: yeah. um, but you know so now you're you've been at you know you've been at Mission Hills for you know ten years now Um you know, same place over and over how the lessons that you've learned from all the traveling and telling your story and sharing all those, how have those translated into leading worship in the institutional church?
1: You're good at this. You have good questions.
0: Oh, geez. I'm, I'm just making it up as I go along. So, uh. (laughs) all
1: right. (laughs) Arrogance and nativity. There Mm -hmm. you go. Uh, Well, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting because when it, <laughs> you hit right on it, for, for 20 some odd years, I would be at a church uh, every year or two, I'd come back and, and I'd give them my greatest hits that i would written over the last year or two, Right, maybe one that they know, and everybody says, that was great, and everything's rosy, and everything's <laughs> shiny, and hey, do you want to be our worship leader? And, um, you know, it's all those things because they don't really see the true you, and you're not seeing the true them. Right. It's just this happy exchange. And I lived in that for two decades, right. um, which was great. But as my kids were getting older and I was traveling so much, I thought, I just, I can't miss my kids. You know, I can't miss them growing up. Yeah. So I talked to Mission L's, they were going through a transition and you and I came in that summer um, mm-hmm. and we barely knew each other at the time. Right. And, and we're filling in as they're trying to figure out what they're doing. You lead one weekend, I lead the next. They told me I had to wear khakis. You got to wear jeans.
0: <laughs> they didn't. They didn't tell me. They didn't tell me anything. I just. I just wore jeans. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, and then because they did tell me to wear khakis, and then when I saw the the video of you, I'm like, I'm not wearing no khakis. No khakis. <laughs> um, You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. So, uh, there was a number of things to transition to as I, as I got to Mission Hills. Um, I didn't go full-time. I didn't jump right in. Right. Uh, I was still doing some gigs here and there. Um, but honestly, I'll blow a little smoke at you. You were actually a big help for me because you had done it for a long time. And I had a whole different gig where I would maybe lead two or three songs and then two or three of my own at every church I went to. So, putting a set list of five, six songs together with transition in a church setting was a little bit different to me. Mm. And I'm like, oh, Brian's doing back to back to back songs in the same key. I should probably do that. And <laughs> oh, this. so there was a lot of things that, that I, I learned from you because it's just a, a totally different thing. Hmm. Um, but I also, I think for the first time, I mean, I grew up in ministry. My dad was a pastor and I saw some of the ugly side of the church, but it was a small church and it was usually a few people here, there and you get to a a big church and you can kind of see the the ugliness from different people there. And it's a bigger staff. And it was a hard transition for me in a lot of ways. Like, Oh my goodness, this is very political. There's a lot of people (laughs) you got to please. Um, this is exhausting. I just want to go do a gig on Sunday and have Monday through Thursday off. You know, it was right. There were, there were a lot of changes. Um, so I think your question was, um, how did my previous um, traveling for all those years help me in regards to the church? I think one way it helped is when you're an independent artist at a different church every week, you really have to camp on relational skills. Um, you have to, to, to get in, learn how to meet people, talk to them. Um, you have to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Right. I think those things really, really helped me. Um, I think the things that I was not prepared for um, was just having the persistence and the tenacity for a nine to five. It was just a change. I just mm. hadn't, I hadn't had that in years. Yeah, and um, and and trying to not hear, hey, this is great every weekend, but hey, there's some things you need to work on. Like, right. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, okay. <laughs> Great! Thank you. (laughs) Tell me more. Tell me more about that. That's that's
0: fascinating. Help me understand. Um, Yeah, Uh, yeah, that's that's good. Uh, You know, you have done. I think one of those one of those big things that uh, that you had to deal with that I remember um, was no small amount of conflict. Um Mm. you know, we we came in and 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 on like our transition in also represented kind of a sea change for Mission Hills as well. Like they were moving into they were moving into a new building. Um the demographic of the church changed almost overnight. Um you know, we were doing things stylistically uh that the church wasn't used to, but it was a direction that they yeah, that they wanted to go. Um there was a you know, there was a choir. And, you know, there was, and, there was <laughs> and, and then, you know, then there wasn't. Um, And, yeah. and I know that, you know, because of the way that our jobs were structured, you know, my, my role was mostly centered around, you know, taking care of the weekends and, and, and doing music. Yours was much more on the kind of administrative pastoral side. Yeah. You were in the middle of a lot of those conversations and, and all of a sudden there's this you know, you know, you mentioned like all of a sudden people are telling you, like, yeah, here's some things that you need to work on, or I don't like this about you know, this thing that you did right. and all of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, talk just a little bit, because I, I feel like, at least from my perspective, I know that, you know, in conversations with you, you know, you felt like, you know, it couldn't have gone any worse. And it was a super stressful time uh, yeah. for you. But um I, I feel like you did a masterful job of, mm-hmm. of handling that conflict and that no, you know you. that sort of upheaval what were some of the things that that helped you you know how how did you navigate that and and what advice would you give for worship leaders who are having to deal with con, you know conflict or criticism or you know i mean yeah there's no we never get you know we rarely get the emails that are like you know, that was perfect. Don't change a thing. It's always, you know, hey, you didn't do enough of this kind of song or you didn't, oh, yes. yeah, or this was too high or this was, you know, the, the background is green, you know, things like that. Um, yes, you remember that. I remember that one. Uh, so what what are some of the things that you have done over the past 10 years uh, in terms of handling the, the criticism, the conflict, things like that, that have, that have helped you, Stay where you are and not want to go run, you know, screaming for the hills and, and go back to like, screw this. I'm just going back to, you know, one church every two years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well, for the for the benefit of your listeners, the green comment was uh-huh. we got a comment that yes. behind the pastor, there was a, a green background on the screen. And we got a comment that said, um, everyone knows blue is the spiritual color. Do not put green behind the pastor. And right. So, so we've yeah. changed everything for the rest of our lives. And yes. It's I, always I, blue.
0: Yeah. I, I went home that day and got rid of all of my green shirts. Um, yes. And oh, uh, I didn't just get, didn't just get rid of them. I burned them. So Ooh, um, symbolic. Yeah. Lit them on fire. And uh, yes. <laughs> throughout all, any light that emitted any kind of green color, um, just, just.
1: Yeah. Got rid of all. Anyway,
0: I'm, I'm no, going no, to let, yeah, let you go. Um,
1: this, this is when I reference um, band of brothers, ah. the show because it's applicable. Okay. Um, you know, I remember watching band of brothers and, and the, this company of, of dudes, um, in this company, they're watching David Schwimmer over there from friends and he's this horrible leader and they're all talking amongst themselves. And one guy says, um, is he a horrible leader because of his decisions? And the other guy goes, no, he's a horrible leader because he makes no decisions. Uh. And there was something in my learning to be a leader brain that thought, okay, it, you have to, in, in, the, in this world, you have to lead. It yep. doesn't have to be perfect. Um, you, you're not always going to make the perfect decisions, but you have to lead. Yeah. Um, and one thing, this is a side note. But even when I'm talking to young worship leaders, I'm like, when when you show up to rehearsal, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to know everything. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to forget a part. There's going to be guys in your band. I promise yep. you that know the song way better than you. Yep. It might be mocking you. Um, <laughs> but but when you walk in, walk like you're a leader. Right. Shoulders back, head high. I mean, don't be a doofus about it. But just just be. Be a leader and make right. decisions, value people, listen to them, but, you know, lead the band. They want to be led. Right. Um, so I think as the years went on and, and I got better at this, I, I think I, I made a, a personal decision that I might not make all the right decisions, but I'm going to try to make decisions. Mm. Um, they're not going to be perfect, but uh, but I am going to lead as, as best as I can by God's grace and, and be humble about it, but lead yeah um, I think also another important thing and this is the hard one um, my identity is not a worship guy here at Mission Hills Church right. it's it's not even in my top five um, right. you know I have father husband um Bronco fan. I don't know. That's probably not my top five. Especially. Wow, Bronco,
0: Bronco fans are horrible. Outranks, <laughs> outranks uh, your yeah. role in the church. That's uh, <laughs>
1: well, that was an exaggeration. That's a strong
0: voice. statement, Danny Orland. <laughs> it's, it's on tape now, so uh, so
1: yeah, that's. <laughs> I just think when when you allow your identity identity to be so intertwined uh, with your job, then you are just. Ready for any criticism to bring you down, yep. and any little thing that somebody says is going to put you over the edge for a couple of days. Um, I, I like I said, this is the hardest part because it's yeah. not how we're wired. But the best I can when I get a complaint comment, you know, the little cards that come that say prayer requests, but people put complaints on them. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just try to disassociate and. This is, yeah. this is not specifically about my identity. This is something I can work on, or maybe it doesn't need to be addressed. But uh, I think a big part of it is not allowing your job to become your identity. Your identity is in Christ. right? Um, yeah. So yeah. there's a little bit of my thoughts on that.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's good. And I think it's, it's so hard, especially for artists, uh, to, to separate that. Is you know, because we, we do become so intertwined with the things that we create and the, yeah. and the services that we, that, you know, that we craft and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so when someone says like, I didn't like that, our brains turn it into, I didn't like you. <laughs> <Right. Totally. laughs> I don't, I don't like yeah. you because you did this. Now they just didn't like the thing, you know, they yeah. didn't like the way that I did that. And, and, yeah, there does need to be some disassociation there. You know, my wife, uh, my wife is a nurse, and you know, she she learned this practice years ago, especially after really tough nights of being on the job in the ICU. Is she would get in her car after her shift, she would sit down, she'd take three deep breaths, and then she mm. would make you know scissors with her fingers and hold uh. them above her head and just snip the wire. You know, just snip this imaginary wire that was keeping her connected to her job. And, and say like, okay, I, I need to go home now. I need to, you know, you know, she's still a wife and a mother and a, you know, and, and and a daughter and, and all those things. And, you know, she, I, I have to let that go. And so I'm just going to snip it and and I'm going to leave that there at work. that's And, And, and so I've, I've tried to take on that practice a little bit, especially when I get, you know, get an overabundance of criticism or, you know, or, comments uh as, <laughs> as prayer, requests. prayer requests um you know i it's funny because i have a friend who actually got uh they they made a they actually made a statement from the stage saying hey we have these cards for you to fill out prayer requests these are not for you to leave comments about the music <laughs> and about the stuff so in in the ultimate act of passive aggressiveness oh no a good friend of mine actually got they someone someone filled one of those out and put it in the little box, you know, at the back of the sanctuary yeah. and they, they opened it up and they written on this card was okay, fine. I pray that Justin <laughs> will yes. stop doing these kinds of songs and start doing more hymns, uh, in this name. Amen. And I'm like, and of course they didn't sign it. They didn't put their name on it or anything like that. And I was like, that is the ultimate passive aggressive behavior is, from a congregate. Yeah. Like, okay, fine. I pray.
1: <laughs> and, and sometimes people wonder why people that have been in ministry for a long time, can get cynical on occasion. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, things like that. But no. you know, you said something that 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 stuck in my head cuz we all we get these little criticisms and often they're criticisms, but sometimes there's nuggets in there. Right. <laughs> sometimes there's things that are helpful. Yep. And I think that's where the God please please have a teachable spirit in me, let me right. learn some things, let me be humble. I had in the last couple of weeks actually, I had somebody Give me a comment, like, you need to do this. And in my flesh, my first thing is like, well, they don't do this. And blah, blah, blah. And it was just this. <laughs> and it was like 10 minutes in my head when I was like, just like, oh, what was that about? And then I thought, you know what? They're right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Let's let's turn that. So yeah. my point is that sometimes when you get criticism, it's so much easier to accept it and say, you know what? You're right. It's there's right. so much less wringing of hands and, and yeah. being frustrated. Uh, just just give yeah. into it and yeah. get better. Yeah.
0: yeah. What What can I learn from this? And sometimes there isn't anything that you can learn. Sometimes people yeah. are just being jerks. and, and Sometimes they're
1: hateful. Yeah. Sometimes and they, they just they're
0: hateful. Yeah. They just want to blow off steam, and yeah. uh, which is usually why they're almost always anonymous. But oh, yeah, yes. they're they're they can almost always be something that you can learn about leadership from, you know, from yeah. comments like that. Um, awesome. Hey, you know, you mentioned, you know, it's easy for, for us as worship leaders to, to become cynical and, and yeah. and become uh, you know, become jaded about, you know, our jobs and the way that people react to us and all that kind of stuff. I want to ask you as we get ready to, to kind of close out here mm-hmm. um, what are you as you look at the church, especially in this time of, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic and and churches having to be shut down and restarting and, and a lot of churches sort of, you know, even rebooting, you know, taking that time off to sort of rethink their ministries and all that kind of stuff and, and practice things in a new way. Um, as you look forward down the next, you know, three, six months, year, whatever it is, what are you hopeful for? in the church as it relates to worship culture, as it relates to leadership, things like that. What, what kinds of things give you hope as you look down the road from where we are right now?
1: Um, two things come to mind and, and uh, I think this is a podcast where we can be real. <laughs> I've known you long yeah. enough. I think, I think it's, <laughs> I, I'd like to be real for a second with one. Please, I hope you've
0: been the whole time, but,
1: uh, no, I, has spent a, just a, a complete wall the just whole a, time. Just,
0: a facade. just, just platitudes <laughs> and, and, <laughs>
1: Uh, no, it's kind of weird because I'm so used to talking to you. We've been friends for a long time that to hear me just talk and talk and talk and not be asking you more. I feel very selfish. No, this is,
0: this is about you, buddy.
1: Good. Then let me keep going. Um, so, so worship, um, Oh, I, I see a shift in passion and integrity and intentionality with the songs that are being written and how they're being produced and how they're being portrayed. And I'm talking specifically on Line for a moment. Um, Over the last 10 years or so, it's gotten very young and hip, and um, there's a very specific style that you see online. And all these churches, you know, it changes every couple of years and morphs, and all the churches are trying to get in on oh, there used to be just a guy and a background singer. Now there's 10 people on the front of the stage. Now there's only three. Now there's this. Now it's electronic. No, now it's acoustic. So here's what I've noticed, and this is where I'm being real over the last couple of years, I've seen this thing where there's older singers. There's, there's people like me that don't have all their hair on their head. (laughs) There's um, there's different. um, Not everybody is skinny and 23 and in perfect shape. Um, I've seen this, this more inclusive. We're the church and we're not just going to have our 20 somethings on the stage. Um, We're going to, we're going to have everybody of every race and age and, you know, it's it's not perfect, but I sense a shift, and yeah. it's encouraging to me,
0: yeah.
1: um, just because I've been in a ministry a long time. And I think the songs that are being written are pretty, they're getting more real to me. And what in the yeah. past, growing up in the church, I, you know, I grew up on hymns, and those are great, my, and, you know, I still do hymns in a lot of the, the sets that I do. Mm-hmm. But I see engagement from people on such a deeper level now, if mm-hmm. you do songs that they can... That they kind of know and kind of sing to you can't do brand new songs every week but right um, i've seen a greater intentionality and a greater engagement and that excites me yeah so that's good that's on on the worship front uh as far as uh leadership and the church front i think COVID has been amazing in a lot of ways Hmm. um coming from a really big church that is a big ship with a lot of things going on everything hit the brakes for months right and and i think we realized We can do our jobs without being in meetings nine to five all week. (laughs) What? (laughs) Um, And and in some ways we're doing it better because we don't have all these meetings and we're focusing more intentionally on what our jobs really entail. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's been a resetting of the table um, and I think Mm -hmm. churches have been forced to, okay, what are we really about? And I've been in those conversations at least here at this church and Mm -hmm. I've seen, okay, what are we really doing? Where are we headed? How can we reach people? Um, and I think it was a good shakeup. I really do. And I see a good, I don't know if people are going to rush back to church or if they're going to stay online more or a mix, or if it's going to take well, a year or 10 years. I don't know. Right. Um, but those conversations are being had and Jesus is big enough. We're not going to run him away. He's not afraid of this. Right. So um, embracing the what's next is encouraging yeah. to me. And the church is God's plan A. It is. It is his plan A to reach the world as the church. So I'm encouraged with the church and I think it's going to good places. Yeah.
0: Well, and I, I, yeah, I would echo that and say, it's, it's been good that, that so many churches have been having that conversation and saying like, okay, uh, there, there is no, this is a discussion we've had a lot at at new Denver as well is like there, there is no going back to normal, like whatever, whatever we were doing before. Like, yeah, there, there may be elements of it that we can, you know, that we can retain, but like, there's no going back to normal. Like there's going to be a new normal, whatever that is, but, but like we need, and and I think that the churches that are going to come out of this, I don't want, I I hesitate to say successfully, but the ones that are going to come out of this and, and, and really be effective in their ministries are the ones that are going to say, what did we learn about how we are operating? What, yeah. what do we learn about? Like you said, like, yeah. what are we really about? Like, yeah. are we, what are we doing? Yeah. Are we <laughs> just about like a kick-ass weekend experience or are we going to be about like actually engaging with people? And, you know, because that's the thing that we've missed is like, yeah, yeah. You, can, you can probably make uh, an online service look and feel and sound really, really good. Yeah. but you have no idea if you're connecting with anyone. Oh
1: my goodness. Yeah. You
0: know? And so when we well, get so. back to whoever comes back, like where, where are we going to connect with them, you know, beyond just making a really great production. And so, and, yeah.
1: yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. There's something you said really triggered something out of my brain and people are different now. It's yeah. been a year yeah. of, of, Social stunting um, and not gathering, and the fear right. of what's happening around the world. People are not the same as they were a year ago. Right. They're going to come back and have different needs, um, different wants, different expectations. Yep. How we reach them is going to be different. Um, D- different
0: perspectives yeah. on on social norms and on you know like oh, the the role of the role of the church as a, you know, even as a place of authority, like there's been so much upheaval in society on top of, you know, on top of all this stuff that's gone on with, with the pandemic, you know, the, the, I would say that, that people's trust in authority is, at an all time low right now. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, yeah. You know, on no matter where you sit on the political spectrum or the social spectrum or whatever that yeah. is, like people are looking at the folks in power saying, can I really trust you? And mm. I think the church for a long time has set itself up as an institution of power. And so mm. when, when, when the church had to take a step back, I feel like it was almost, 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 Forced us to say like, no, I don't think that the church was supposed to be set up as an institution of power, mm. rather as an institution of, of service and, and an institution of almost of weakness in a way mm. to say like We're, we actually exist to serve the least. And yeah. if, if anything, the last, you know, the last year has really shined a light on the least in our society. Oh, and, yeah. I'd and agree. is going, I think that if the church doesn't open their eyes and say like, oh, there they are. <laughs> let's, right. let's go after it. Right. Let's go after that. You know, yeah. I, I, this, this in a lot of ways was a gift and, and churches are going to have to figure out how they're going to accept that gift you know, and, and how they're going to totally operate agree. on the, on the other side of this. So yeah, well said. Um, awesome. Hey, how can, uh, how can people find out more about the Danny Ortley? <laughs> um, if, if people want to listen to your music, if they want to get your book, if they want to just sit down and have a cup of coffee, let's give out your phone number uh, to, to, to the tens of people that are listening to this right now. Um, uh, how can people find out more about Danny? <laughs> yeah. Ortley?
1: Uh, sure. Uh, Well, you can go to dannyortley.com. That's O-E-R-T-L-I, O-E-R-T-L-I. I -I. I do that every day of my life. Tell people how to spell my last name. The website is currently being uh, redone right now. It might be a month or two, but that's where you can get some stuff. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and if you want to stream the music, i got a bunch of records on all the streaming platforms, so look up Danny Ortley. The newest record is called Long Way Off, and I released it, and one week later, the world shut down. So <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a lot of time to promote that record, but I'm really proud of it. If nope. you want to give it a, spin.
0: all right, all right, great. Yeah, so uh, yeah, please do check out Danny, and we'll we'll make sure we link all that stuff uh, on our socials and and uh, and make sure that people know how to how to find you, um, Danny. You are uh, you are a, a class A guy, like a class A preamp. Everybody wants. Oh, um, that just
1: and you just, just won me over,
0: right? And you make everything sound. You had better. me a
1: class A preamp. <laughs>
0: No, you really are. Uh, you're thank one you. of the one of the best guys that I know. And uh, thank, you. thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and have this conversation. And uh, we'll, we'll do it again uh, in the future. So,
1: man, I loved it. It's an honor. We were hitting on some pretty big things, and to, to pass them by so fast, right. we could talk for hours on these subjects. Yep. So I'm honored yep. that you would ask me. you. All man. right.
0: Yeah. We'll we'll have you back, and we can spend those hours um, talking Yay. about them again. So, well, thanks, man. We'll uh, we'll sign off and, and and talk to you again soon. Thank you. Take care. All right. So there you have it. Uh, Danny Ortley, who is, man, that guy, every time I sit down to talk with him, I walk away with a smile and it's, uh, he's, he's been so encouraging. He's had a huge impact on my ministry and my leadership. And, uh, I am, like I said before, I'm so glad that our paths crossed, uh, so many years ago. Um, and, yeah, still look forward to every time I get to sit down with him. So uh, hopefully you uh, you were encouraged by what Danny had to say about everything from songwriting to leadership to handling conflict and 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 criticism. and and he he is a he's just a wealth of, of knowledge. And like I said, just a super experienced guy. Um, and uh, yeah, you'll never you'll never meet a nicer person. Well, maybe you might but I I don't know your life. Um, for me, Danny is one of the nicest people that I've ever met. Um, but I, you know, I run in different circles. So, um, (laughs) gosh. Uh, so anyway, um, just want to reiterate some of the things that that Danny said there at the end. Uh, please do check out his website, Dannyortley.com. O E R T L I is how you spell that. Um, And uh, yeah, check him out on Instagram and Facebook, uh, all those places. Uh, His music is really great. He puts a lot of effort, a lot of time, uh, a lot of thought into the songs that he crafts and, uh, something that I greatly respect about him. Uh, cause usually when I write a song, it's just, yeah, I was going to vomit this out on paper and eh, here it is. Um, he, he really takes time to, uh, to, to make songs that, that tell a great story and, and really connect with people's hearts. So I think you could really be encouraged. Uh, his book, mommy paints the sky, uh, I believe is available on Amazon. So again, just search for Danny's name and, uh, and you'll find uh, his book and his uh his music and and all that stuff um or if you're down in littleton colorado um check out mission hills and uh and you can hear him lead worship and share his heart from stage um down there as well so um hey uh i already gave the subscribe and and leave comments pitch uh down there um uh do also want to let you know that uh Torn Curtain Arts is a 501c3. Torn Curtain Arts is the one that uh, produces this podcast. And, and uh, um, we rely uh, on donations from people like you. Uh, and uh, you make things like Chasing Sunday possible. Um, if you would like to donate to Torn Curtain Arts, you can go to torncurtainarts.org and uh, and find the Donate Here button. And uh, feel free to, to give as much as you want or as little as you want or none at all and just pray for us because we certainly need that too so um, yeah as I said Chasing Sunday is a production of Torn Curtain Arts our executive producer is Paul Romeg-Levitt I'm your host Brian Davis our music is produced by our dear friend Danny Burton you can find out more about him on our website as well Um, thanks again for listening we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks take care